0: Welcome to Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. It's my pleasure today to be here with Santa Barbara City Councilwoman and newly appointed member of the California Coastal Commission, Megan Harmon. How are you today, Megan?
1: Thank you. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me, Josh. This is, I guess it's been like a little over a year since I've been on the show and just watching what you've been doing in our community. It's I, it's such an honor to be back. So thank
0: you. For thank you. Me. I appreciate it because a little more than well, about a year ago, actually, I think uh, it was. You know, right? we did the podcast. You're you're uh, SBT podcast number one, and uh, I remember you're like, "Okay, Josh, fine, I'll talk to you. Whatever, <laughs> I'll try it." And we had a great conversation. So now here we are. We're back, and uh, a lot right. has changed. So thank you for uh, the opportunity to to talk to you in this thank platform and this environment. Let's dive right in and talk about the news of the moment. Uh, You were recently appointed by the governor to the California Coastal Commission, and that's a really significant deal, uh, significant for you, but significant for for the region to have a representative from Santa Barbara to really, uh, obviously you, you have a role of being an advocate throughout the state, for the coast. However, uh, you know, having somebody from Santa Barbara is a big deal. So can you talk a little bit about what this moment means to you? And, uh, you know, how were you able to do it?
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. It, well, I have to say it was pretty surreal. I mean, I was kind of like, you know, my husband, when I got the call, my husband was like, are you so excited? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm feeling. You know, I was like, I think I just, I'm tired. Maybe, you know, <laughs> I don't know what this feeling is. Um, But it's, it is a huge honor. I think as I've sort of had a couple of days to let it sink in, I'm just realizing how humbling it is. Honestly, um, it's a It's a huge responsibility, um, obviously, for the whole state. But I really feel like the role um, for me as a Santa Barbara City Council member to be able to represent our regional interests on this body and really advocate for us and bring our values to this body um, is pretty exciting. I take that really seriously. And that's what my intention has always been, um, were I lucky enough to be appointed. So I'm feeling kind of the weight of it. Right now, to be honest, um, and there's a lot of reading to do. So I'm like, whoa, this is—it's going to be a super steep learning curve. Um, but I'm—I'm I'm really thrilled. I, I couldn't be more excited and I'm pumped to also kind of bring folks in here in Santa Barbara. You know, I, I think one of the things for me uh, that I learned really quickly on the Santa Barbara City Council is that the Coastal Commission is kind of a, a black box, and we don't really know what happens. We don't know. Uh, how to deal with it. And I, I don't, I strongly believe it doesn't have to be that way. And it starts with our regional representative, making sure that everyone knows what's happening, when it's happening and how to advocate for the things that our community wants and needs. So that's my, my number one goal.
0: And, and part of that of course, is you're on the city council. So you have to represent the city of Santa Barbara on issues that sometimes are adversarial to the coastal commission. Vacation rentals, one of them, most recently in the news.
1: Say, I've you, heard that come up.
0: <laughs> how do you balance that? I presume that that came up during the interview process of where, where are you going to land when maybe the city's got an issue with the Coastal Commission on on development? I mean, how do you balance those two roles?
1: Yeah, I, that's going to be a challenge. And to be honest, I'm not sure I think that's one of those things I'm going to have to feel my way through. But when that did come up and it did, um, here's how I I answered it. And and this is how I would want to approach those issues is, you know, there's so much opportunity on Coastal Commission with the Coastal Commission body to try to deal with these thorny issues before they get to the point of Coastal Commission has to do an up or down vote. And that's an area where the representative to that body can actually make a huge difference by saying, hey, I see this coming down the pipeline. We're going to have to navigate this. Let's get connected with Coastal Commission staff. Let's look at the Coastal Act. Let's figure out where we have room to maneuver together. Um, And, you know, I, I, from what I hear from Coastal Commission staff, and I'm I'm just getting introduced to them now, it's all super new. uh, They love that. Like that's, they don't want to be in an adversarial position. They they really want to try to sort of um, change the dynamic and say, we're here to partner with you. And and yeah, we've got some stuff that we have to do. You know, the law is the law. And my job as a coastal commissioner is going to be to uphold the law. Um, but let's not get to that point where it's, you know, the coastal commission is undermining the city. And, and I, don't, I don't think we have to get there. And I, I think everyone's really feeling that there's, a lot of potential in this moment. Um, and frankly, the Coastal Commission and the coastal municipalities are gonna have to work together. There are huge challenges coming forward, sea level rise being primary among them. Yeah. Um, and there's just no way that coastal can come in and impose solutions or cities can undermine the the purpose of the Coastal Act. Um, we've got to work together and that's the only, that's the only way forward.
0: Yeah. Okay, let's take up. A- step back from the news of the appointment and let's talk about you. And so let me, let me create a little bit of the narrative here and you're free to jump in and
1: oh, no. <laughs>
0: to it or take away, but um, you know, there, there is um, a lot of buzz around you and there ha- has been a lot of buzz around you since you were appointed. Um, As we know, there was talk of, of, of the appointment. There was a feeling among the insiders that a certain person Was the the shoe in. Okay. And then you you interviewed and you you blew everybody away. Everybody was very impressed. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, maybe it's going to be more complicated than that when it comes to appointment time. And uh you got appointed. And ever since that day, everybody sort of like, Megan Harmon this, Megan Harmon that, right? And, And there was so much energy and excitement around you, uh, you know, when you were appointed. And and I should say so many high expectations that, that, that you were going to be the one who was going to come in and you were going to rescue downtown. You were going to be the bridge toward you know the business community and uh, you know the, the slow growth community or the Democratic Party. You you were going to be kind of everything to everybody. And I think that uh, there's obviously when you when you start out with that kind of fanfare and that sort of interest and curiosity going to be a lot of people who are going to be judging you quickly and right away and you've got a lot of of things about you of course that are easy to point to you know you're young and you're a woman and you're in politics and uh, you're obviously very uh ambitious you know you're not there to coast right you you talk about the issues on the agenda Um, so coming into all of that and carrying all of that weight can you talk about what it's like to be Megan Harmon, knowing that you have so many supporters, but you also have, you know, quite honestly, a lot of people who are like, see, see, I told you, she's not who she said she was poking at you, you know, maybe it's just a bit of a whisper here and there, but it is out there. What is that like to be you? And how do you reconcile all those perspectives and expectations of you?
1: Yeah, I, well, I really appreciate that question. As you're saying it, I'm like, Gosh, how how do I how do I manage this? Well, I think there's a couple things. I knew um, coming in, it, it was um, very much how you described. I think it was such a surprise, even to me, to get appointed. And and obviously, I I believed in in what I was bringing, or I wouldn't have put my name out there. I don't mean to imply that I thought I. You know was never gonna gonna get it or anything but it was you know i i fought an opportunity to to meet people and have my ideas sort of in the public sphere and that was my goal um and so i knew coming into this role being someone so new that people were going to write um onto me their own desires ideas it's also frankly and i have to take some responsibility for this it is 100% my personality to be in a meeting and say, I understand where you're coming from. Uh, Thank you for sharing. You know, that's just kind of how I do things. That's how I gather information. And I think it's really easy for folks to hear that. And their takeaway is she's right there with me, you know, so I've I've been trying to work on that, actually, just being a little bit more clear um, when I'm in those meetings. But yeah, you know, I knew that expectations were gonna be super high in large part due to the fact that um, nobody knew me. And so it's fun and it's exciting and it's thrilling. And I, I think, you know, people think maybe this is um, someone who's going to align with my values in all ways. And it's, I, I hate disappointing people, you know, or I hate when, when people don't like me, you know, I wanna be liked, but at the end of the day, um, I've just had to really come to accept that my purpose here is to do what I believe is right for our community, Um, that's it. And there is no way to please everyone. Uh, The important thing is continuing to talk to everyone, continuing to hear them um, and to not discount any perspectives. And I, I, I believe that that is how I approach this job. That's how I'll continue to approach this job. But it's been hard. I mean, you know, I can't deny, I I don't love hearing those whispers. It's it's hard because this is a local job. You know, like I really see this as community service and it's about loving this city and wanting the best for it. And so when I hear that, it's, you know, I'm like, oh, I saw you at the grocery store yesterday, man. You know what I mean? It's like, we're, we're friendly, even if we we don't sort of see that getting to the end result you know we all want the same things we just have different ways of getting there um and so it it can be hard but i i just uh, kind of have to keep my my focus on on doing what i think is right for our community and and taking it all in and and gathering information and then just trying to make the best decisions for my neighbors that I can. Um, But I guess all that's to say, I think that was kind of inevitable. You know, folks didn't know anything about me when I came in. So it's, it's kind of a a perfect storm of, um, you know, maybe she feels this way, or maybe we can be allies in X, Y, Z. And, and frankly, I didn't have um, tons, you know, a a thought out policy position on every issue that was going to come before council. So a lot of this, you know, I've developed in this I've developed my perspective on these issues as I've been learning about them and deciding them. Um, So I really value what I've heard from, from everybody, whether they, you know, love me or hate me, like my decisions, don't like my decisions. It's helped me to craft uh, my perspective. And I, I really value that.
0: Let's talk about the word ambition. Okay. Because we do hear that, you know, and I'm a reporter. So obviously people say all sorts of things to me, you know, on the record, off the record, um, and they should, right? I'm not going to out anybody who says anything, but you, the reporters hear things, right? And so one of the things you hear about is she's smart, she's talented, and she's she wants to get out of Santa Barbara and go somewhere else. And then, you know, you're running for, co- or you get appointed the Coastal Commission, and obviously that helps you with sort of a larger platform in terms of presence, uh, you know, throughout the state. Let's talk about ambition. I mean, do you, do you take offense to that? Do, is it fair to say that you would, yes, like to seek a different office outside of Santa Barbara at some point because you're, what, you're, what, you're 34, 35, 34. 34. 34.
1: Um, Don't
0: age me. <laughs> <laughs> um, is it fair to say, yes, she's ambitious. Deal with it. Um, let's talk about that. You know, are, are you ambitious in a hurry? You know, you're going to be here and you're going to be somewhere else in a few years and you're going to go as far as you can go. Is Santa Barbara your community for life?
1: Okay, I feel like this is a can of worms you are gonna regret having opened. Just. Kidding. <laughs> I spent so much time thinking about this. And before um, because I hear it a ton too, mm-hmm. I hear it constantly. Um, and I guess before I sort of answer that question, I have to acknowledge uh, just a couple things. And the first is that I'm really super sensitive to this criticism. Like it really hits me in a way. I'm trying to develop a thicker skin around this. I'm really trying to, um, but it's it's really difficult for me to take on. Um, and maybe saying criticism isn't the right word of this observation. You know, right. though I don't think people are like, you know, she's ambitious. Love to see it. You know, <laughs> like right. typically that's not how it's uh, how it's framed. So I I think it's important to just say that from the outside, I'm particularly sensitive about this. Um. And then secondly, I have, I believe, I have chosen to believe that um, nine out of 10 times when someone says, oh, she's really ambitious, uh, the intent behind that is is not rooted in misogyny. Uh I've I believe that the intent is about something else. Um and you know, a lot of folks say to me, look, we said DOS was ambitious, we said Greg was super ambitious, it's not about gender or sex and, and my feeling or sort of my response is like, I, I totally believe that y'all said that about Doss and Greg too, but it hits me differently. You know, like I, I am a woman and so I receive that word differently. And I don't think that we can deny that it's a word that's sort of on this continuum of language that's been used to temper female ambition our whole lives you know, like I hear that word and I immediately hear, you know, calling girls in grade school bossy, telling them they're talkative, calling them chatterboxes, Um, rightly or wrongly, you know, and again, I don't believe that's the intent behind that word. I think, you know, there's other things driving it, but I can't help but receive that that way. You know, I walk through this world as a woman. So that word has particular connotations for me. And I don't think it's like uh, a historical to say that that's still super relevant in our society. I mean, 2019 democratic primaries, people were calling Kamala Harris super ambitious and I don't think they meant it as a compliment, you know? Um, and so I, I struggle, like when you call a man ambitious, worst case scenario, you mean he's kind of a striver, but what you hear is go-getter. Um, the subtext is leader, somebody who leans in, who's super passionate. And when you call a woman ambitious, we can't help but hear a subtext that's cold, calculating, inauthentic. Um, and I, I've begun to feel that that's kind of a narrative that's developing about me that I I just, I, I don't even recognize that. Um, I, that's not how, I mean, maybe that's how I come across and my job is to fix that, you know, and to make sure people see me and my heart, but, um, But yeah, so I struggle with that word. And and I guess in in answer to your question, um, I'm never gonna apologize for being driven. I'm a driven woman. I'm raising my daughter to be a driven woman. But what drives me is not at root self-interest. What drives me is a passion for building, being part of building a better world for our neighbors. and I, I think, you know, the people that know me know that. And my job, I guess, as a politician, I can say now is to try to communicate that uh, with all our neighbors. And if they don't see that, you know, to give them a chance to get to know me so that they can trust that that's the root of my drive um, rather than something else more nefarious. But yeah, obviously that word's a trigger.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know if, if you've seen... Uh... Emma Watson's speech at the United Nations that she gave maybe five, that six clip. years ago. Yeah, no. back in the day. Yeah. And she, you know, she talks about the bully thing, right? You know, mm. like or, or not the, the bossy thing. Mm. She talks about how, you know, being told from a very young age you're bossy and how that sticks with with women. And you know, I think that in 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 your case, there's a lot of uh misogyny and there's 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 a lot of ageism. And it's probably mm. More so, at least from an outsider's perspective, um, or at least at least that you know, there's some ageism. How do you how do you navigate that when you're dealing with a lot of people you know who are who are older, and you're looking you're looking at men who are sort of in these systems in the leadership. Uh, you know, if you're looking at the city of Santa Barbara and you're looking at the administrative yeah. department heads. Um, you know, how do you deal with just that age gap? I mean, do you, I, I would imagine that you would just have a lot of old people, older people sort of trying to mentor you or like tell you, yes. oh, I'll tell you how it is, or you'll, you'll come along well. Yeah. And how do you, how, how do you know the difference between thank you, that's great versus I'm fine. I don't, I don't need that.
1: Um, well, it's funny you bring that up because I was thinking about our last conversation on Santa Barbara talks. And I, I, um, I think, and I should have gone back to listen to what I said about this, but I think I made a big deal about how difficult the age, uh, thing was and how that was really a struggle for me. And it's funny cause I feel like I've aged a hundred years in the last year, you know? So now I'm like, I feel so old. It's like, I don't, <laughs> you know what I mean, um, but I, yeah, it's, I, I have really tried to reframe those conversations for myself, not as uh, conversations that negate or undermine or belittle what I bring to the table, but as an opportunity to gain perspective that I don't have. Um, and I don't, I don't do it well every conversation. You know, I mean, there are some conversations I, I'm just, I, I can't get there. But. Um, one thing I have learned, especially over the last year, is that I just, you know, I, I, I don't know it all. I definitely don't know it all about the city of Santa Barbara, you know, um, there are plenty of people who have a context and a history and a perspective. That I need to be able to make better decisions for my neighbors um, so it's hard you know I don't I I don't love it I don't I I do sometimes feel like I'm shouting into the void and and people just kind of like oh you know, good luck yeah. kid you know um, but for the most part you know as the these two years have worn on I I do feel that I've earned a measure of respect from folks that maybe were a little more skeptical uh, in the beginning, whether or not they like me, you know, I think respect is different from uh, support, is different from agree with. But um, as I've proven, uh, I hope proven myself to be more effective on the dais, I think those conversations have become a little bit easier. Um, at the very least, folks, I think now recognize uh, that I'm I'm at least going to have some influence, and so they should probably try to influence me. Um, and that's been really helpful, honestly, because I feel like some of the, the disparity in experience and power and age and gender, like as um, I've proven that I am engaged and I am focused on this and I'm not gonna back down on the issues, uh, we've sort of reached a little bit more of a balance point. Um,
0: yeah, so that's good. It's, it's interesting because before your time the city council was not paid. It was sort of like a stipend and and a little Mm -hmm. bit even, you know, before you. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And a lot of the activists said, hey, we need to start paying people because we need to get young people on the council because it had often been older, retired people who were serving. And uh, Mm -hmm. obviously they have a great perspective and they've been in the town and that's valuable. But there wasn't that working family perspective on the council. And so it, it was it, the 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 voters passed it. You know, let's pay the council members, and of course it's not much, but it is something. You know, it is it does allow people to to work, um, and many of them still have other jobs on the side because they need to because it's Santa Barbara. But it's sort of like this is what you asked for, Santa Barbara. I mean, you wanted <laughs> I... young professionals to be able to uh, be able to serve, They're and like we regret have... it <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You know, and and then there was more progress with the district election. So you know, now we're paying you, and now let's try to equalize some of the representation throughout town. So these are all things where you know Santa Barbara's wanted this, and it's, it's I think it's more of like a human psychological thing of like we always want people to do well, and then once they really do well, we're like, wait, you know,
1: not too well, yeah. not
0: too well, not better than me, you know, and that's a thing, you know, it's like. I always tell people who get into you know like students or it's like this student this or this doing that and they start sort of hating it's like imagine if that were your your sister or your brother yeah. or if that were your mom or your imagine if you like love that person yeah. like how happy would you be that that person's being successful so just let it go, you know, just let them do their thing. It's hard to be successful in anything. So we should support people when they get there. And, and, and so I just think it's interesting that that's sort of the dynamic of, well, we've got the young working professional family person on the council. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about your uh, balance of being a mom and, 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 you know, being a partner, you've got a uh, you know, you're married and you're on the council, you're a full-time attorney. You, you've your your daughter Mara is is she three is, is that a... she's
1: gonna be four next month
0: okay wow so so that's I mean the first three years are not really the worst not. <laughs> <laughs> they're the hardest you know in my experience they, they nice. are so hard yeah. um and after that they they you know it's just like exponentially they start being able to be more independent how are you doing that uh that that I'm tired. I, I, I don't want to be like Oh, Megan Harmon, what, like, but it's hard. It is hard to be a parent and work and be on the council. Yeah. And can you talk a little about that balance and how you do it?
1: Uh, I, I, well, thank you. Yeah. Um, because I, it actually, frankly, really feels good to have another parent just say parenting is hard. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't, I love being a mom is the absolute best thing that I have ever done by far. But to hear someone who I know loves his kids, who's an amazing dad, say parenting is super hard—it's just like, oh, thank you, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. And I, you, I struggle with the balance. It's it is a constant, everyday negotiation. And there are days when I feel like I'm doing everything but nothing well. Um, and then there are days when I feel like Superwoman, and everything works out. And I was on at council, and I, you know we learned our letters after council and I made a I made salmon for dinner like I have those great days and as many great days I'm like ooh, we're going to McDonald's tonight you know um and it's just a I I have to give myself grace you know I I have a an incredibly supportive husband you know I he's he's all about you know you this is an opportunity of a lifetime for you to give back to this community to be part of building something. Um, and, and we share that value. So he's a hundred percent on board though. He's, um, got a new job, so he's working quite a bit. So that's why you see Mara at at council meetings with me sometimes. And she's like (laughs) in the background and I'm like, ah, I can't do this. Um, but it's hard, you know, it's hard. I'm tired. I'm, I'm just trying to make it through like, like everybody else. I will say, um, one of the most important things in terms of being able to maintain my role on council has been how supportive my colleagues are and have been of having her around um, and how supportive the city administration has been at, about having her be here and um, both when we were in chambers and then especially now during the pandemic with childcare being open and shut and all these challenges Um, I you know that stress of oh, is my boss going to be freaked out or my colleague's going to be irritated? You know, they have really assured me that it's just never a problem. Um, and I, I think they deserve a credit for that. They really yeah. do, because it, it could have gone a different way. You know, they could have rolled their eyes when I'm like, oh, my kid's here. Sorry, she's screaming. And they really don't. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know what they're doing internally, but externally, they're like, cool, we're right there with you. How can I help you? Um, and I, I think they, they deserve credit for that, you know, just as a mom to have them be part of my village. Um, and you know, not all the time, it's not like they're coming over on the weekends, but <laughs> on a Tuesday when I need help, um, or when I just have to accept the fact that my toddler's going to be part of city council with me on Tuesday, you know, nobody bats an eye. Um, and in fact, you know, Kathy texts me after and says, Mara looks so cute. Her hair's so long, you know, so that's, that that helps a lot, at least taking care of some of the guilt, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the failures of our country is um, childcare and daycare and being able to offer care services in the workplace. it's such a, it's like so many things in our country. It's like, okay, if you want to go to college, it's survival of the fittest, right? Mm -hmm. You figure it out. And if you get those degrees, you're awesome. Like you did it as opposed to, let's make sure everybody gets it, right? Yeah. And it's the same with childcare. I mean, I can't tell you. I've had my kids have sat in the corner during classes while I've taught because
1: I've seen them at city council when we were in person,
0: I brought them to city council because the handoff, you know, between, mm-hmm. um, you know, work schedules, yeah. like, well, you just got to come with me. Cause I got to be there yep. and you know, and you just, as a parent, you just have to do that. And it's, it's just mm-hmm. interesting how priorities and values change so much when you have children. And, and, yeah. and it's why, what I mean by so difficult of the balance is that, without kids, at least for me, I'll speak for me only, you care so much about the world out there, right? Like, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna change this, I'm gonna change that. And then when you have kids, you're like, this is the only world that matters because this is the most important thing that I can actually have a tangible impact on.
1: Impact, yeah. And, Yeah. um,
0: and, And so you kind of flip and you're like, this is what I do. And then to be able to still have a significant presence out there, that's difficult, right, that's a challenge, you know, when you've got to prepare lunches in the morning, you know, you've got to change diapers, or you've got to manage the sleep schedules, and all of these things that a lot of people don't understand, like, this, you have to fit this in on top of all the other professional stuff you have to do, Yeah, and it's, it's definitely a challenge, but at the same time, like, when you see your child looking at you, like, there's no greater high than that, I mean, there's no there's no uh, byline, There, there's no, oh, I won re-election, like nothing yeah. is more important than like, this kid loves me, and is wholly dependent on me. Yeah, I <laughs> you
1: know, I know. So, th- I know. And th- then those... when you see them, yeah, like put into practice lessons that you try to impart to them about, like kind of, you know, Mara's in preschool, right, so she's not, these aren't like big deal things, but mm-hmm just seeing her ask someone who falls, hey, are you okay? In her little toddler voice, so not a big deal, right? It's just, a but to me, I'm like, wow, that's a, that's a thing I want for her. that's what I'm trying to teach her, It's like caring for folks. And that's part of what I try to tell her. She always says like, mommy, what do you do at work? I'm like, let me tell you what I do at work. <laughs> um, you know, and so I just, and that, like you said, I, there's nothing that could possibly compare to moments like that in terms of just feeling like your impact in the world is real and tangible and, and hopefully lasting. Um, so yeah, I love it. I love being a mom. I, I wouldn't, um, yeah, I wouldn't trade it for the entire world. You know, my daughter is, is everything and she's everything to my husband and I, um, and you know, she's kind of a celeb now because she's always <laughs> right. on sneak council with her hair going everywhere, you know?
0: Exactly. So, yeah. yeah, I got some good photos of her at a recent <laughs> press conference that I covered and she was there um, for sure. It's, you know, that year when they start to read, I mean, it's phenomenal because they go from like being able to sight read or see a word and memorize mm-hmm. to actually reading it. And you're just like, this is unreal. That's, That's going to be crazy. Like- you know, um, I want to talk to you, uh, sort of about family. I want to talk to you a little bit about one of your Instagram posts, um, last year and some of the things you've shared. And I just wanted to see if we could talk a little bit because I really want to talk, uh, you know, one of the goals of this is Megan Harmon, the entire person, not just the Coastal Commission member. <laughs> uh, you know, but you had shared some information about some personal things as it relates to your family. Um, and I'm just wondering if you could just talk a little bit about that because I think that a lot of other people have experienced similar circumstances, and uh, if you could just talk a little bit about how you dealt with that and what it meant to you, and mm-hmm. you know, you're going to be an inspiration role model to other people who've mm-hmm. been in similar circumstances. So, can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, thank Please. you. Um, well, this year has been, uh, I it, for so many reasons, for so many of us, just so challenging, and and for my family, um over the last year, I have been dealing with a recurrent miscarriage, which is just loss after loss after loss um, of, of pregnancies, of, of, of babies to me, you know, that's how I saw it um, and continue to see it. And uh, it, um, my first, my first loss this year was really towards the beginning of COVID. Um, and it was It was horrific um, for me personally, Um, just emotionally, hormonally, you know, I left the hospital uh, having gone into induced labor, you know, having the hormone crashes of, of, um, you know, having birthed a baby, but with no baby. Um, And simultaneously living sort of a more public life, I, I was really struggling. I was, um, I think fair to say in a pretty dark, place emotionally um and one of the the struggles for me was like how and whether I should talk about this um, and I, I think what it, what it really came down to is sort of living in this duality of on the one hand feeling like oh my god I don't want anyone to know what has happened to me because this grief is like so deep and it's also tied up in all of this shame and this feeling of being a failure and like, you know, will people see me as a failure? Um, does my family see me as a failure? And, um, so there was that. And then there was this other piece of me at the same time that was like, I, I can't go on. Like, I just want to scream about this. You know, I remember sitting at city council meetings, you know, a week or maybe it was 10 days after, um, the, the first loss. And I just was like, how can I get through this without turning on my camera and just like freaking out about like, how do these people not know what's what's going on? And how can I continue without people knowing? And so like Trent having these sort of dueling sensations was really super tough for me. And I, I think part of it is I haven't been in public life very long. So I really didn't know how to navigate crisis and um, personal crisis in that way. And then I remember one. I think it was a Thursday morning. Randomly, I woke up to. uh, It's so funny because she's our neighbor. This article written by the Duchess of Sussex, and uh, to read her words. I mean, it was as if someone had put my pain onto a page, and I. I just I remember just crying as I read it. It just hit me and. it's like, it's not like magically I, I felt less lonely or magically I felt okay. It was like, all of a sudden there was someone standing in that space with me. Um, and it was this, this powerful woman that I'll probably never meet, you know, who had a, a lot to lose by being open about this shame and this grief and this just horrible emptiness. Um, and, and to feel her standing with me, Uh, this person that i don't know at all and you know i that was um a real turning point for me in terms of the decision to say i need to be open about my experience um if only for the minuscule chance that there will be another woman sitting in her office thinking like how you know, uh, please, God, no one find out about this. And how can I go on without everyone knowing about this paint, you know? Um, and so I, I wrote an Instagram post and, you know, I um, it was to this day, it's, I think one of the most vulnerable, scary things that I've ever done. Um, I pressed post and was like, I can't, you know, I turned my phone off um, because I just couldn't, I was terrified. I mean, I was terrified about the reaction. I was terrified. Uh, what if I'm not ready for people to know this about my life? Um, but it it was, um, it was incredibly cathartic for me. Um, and I felt like a weight was lifted in terms of this part of my life that was so big and so overwhelming, um, but that no one could see. And I'm so open in so many other ways that it felt like this big secret I was carrying. Um, and I got, I mean, incredible feedback, I mean, feedback, like messages, calls, direct messages from strangers, from people I know very, very well, but didn't know they'd ever had a loss. Um, That was remarkable. I mean, just the number of women who reached out and said, thank you for being in this space with me, exactly the way I had felt, uh, was, I I mean, the most powerful thing, probably uh, in my adult life, certainly. Um, So, yeah.
0: No, thank you for sharing that. I, it's, it's amazing because, you know, on the council and, you know, you talk about the duality of it, just you never really skipped a beat at least outwardly. It, it looked as though you were the same Megan Harmon that you had always been. And then to, to learn about these things later, I think it's a good reminder to everyone who judges people for the wrong reasons. Obviously you're in politics and you asked to be in the spotlight Um So yeah, your votes, people have the right to say whatever they want to say, but we also need to be careful not to attach like personality traits that are such that we want to villainize people because um, they're, everyone's a person and everyone is dealing with something that we may or may not know of. And uh, everybody's trying to do the best they can um, to be the most um, influential or the most impactful that they can. And on the council, you know, and I'll just talk for a little bit about this for people who, you know, don't know who Megan Harmon is and haven't seen the council. It's like as a reporter, it's just phenomenal to watch you because I've covered elected officials over the years. And um, you know, this isn't like an endorsement. I'm not compromising my objectivity. I was gonna I'm say, can
1: about... I put this on my website? <laughs> <laughs> Josh
0: Melina says she's phenomenal. Um, <laughs> um I you know I'm just talking about the facts here. Uh, these are complex issues that that you talk about on the council. And uh, it requires planning, it requires uh, preparation. And then by the time you go out there to talk about it in public, you have to have an articulate perspective. At the same time, you have to hear from your colleagues and the public, and you have gotta be able to adjust in the moment and be able to give that out to the world in a way that makes sense, that's clear. So for reporters who are listening, it's just like gold, right? When somebody's able to articulate a clear perspective, and you're like, "Wow, this is a great quote. I understand this. I, this makes sense to me." And so, when we talked earlier about being driven, what I see is uh, preparation, right? Whether whether somebody agrees with you or not on grocery store pay or you know whatever it is, uh, PLA or whatever, it's like you can't accuse Megan Harmon of not knowing the issues you can't accuse her of not being prepared you can't accuse her of not taking it seriously enough to try to understand where she's going to vote and you know we would love that with all our election officials <laughs> um i can say this you don't have to these are your colleagues um but um, you know it, there's it's, it just depends some days it's high some days it's low depends on the person but you're pretty consistently high functioning in that role and it's pretty amazing to watch and that's why there's so much buzz around you because you give people stuff to talk about right if you were there and you were quiet people would be like well she's
1: sometimes to my detriment she's still coming into her own right
0: (laughs) yeah you know she's still finding her voice you know and but that's not you you found your voice a long time ago and if you didn't found it you're finding it on a weekly basis in front of in front of everyone so I will say that in terms of your public and the way you deal with it, uh, you know, it's just been, it's just very impressive to watch, you know, weekly, you know, uh, you. deal with these I, issues.
1: I really appreciate that. And I also, as you were talking, I was kind of thinking through my like knee-jerk reaction to the word ambitious. And actually, as you were saying that, it occurred to me that when, and this has happened, I, I, you know, I think from time to time when people couple like ambitious and hardworking, it, the ambitious piece doesn't sort of ring the same way to me because I feel like there's some recognition that it's like I've really put in a lot of effort here, you know, so I I really appreciate that. I mean, I think um, that's just always been, you know, for me, I hate walking into a room uh, without having done my homework, you know, it's like my, it's like that dream of being like in high school without your clothes on or whatever that, you know, or yeah. that kind of thing or being you're late stage. for class or you're yeah. Falling. Yeah. miss your test. Like I don't that, I just, I hate that feeling. And so I will do anything to avoid it. And usually that just means a lot of prep work and I love it. I like the, you know, I'm a details person. Um, so, so I love it. I love having, um, all my questions answered before I, before I go in and I, I think it makes me better. I, I think it, um, puts me in a position to make, better decisions um I think they're better I think yeah like you said whether you like them or don't like them um I really do try to think through what I'm doing and I hope that gives people at least some comfort um that I'm not just like randomly throwing darts you
0: know <laughs> exactly or in some cases not throwing any darts at all. there uh so l- let me let me ask you a little about your colleagues obviously you uh You've since been very embraced by the Democratic Party. You've, you've won their endorsement. Uh, mayor Kathy Murillo is uh, running for reelection, and there are some people who, uh, you know, feel as though um, she hasn't been the best mayor. Um, other people say, let's not get caught up on personality. She she votes very consistently with the values of the people of Santa Barbara, so she deserves to be re- reelected. Um, can you talk about your thoughts on the performance of the mayor? And you know, you work with her often, and how is she doing?
1: I do. Yeah. And I'm supporting Kathy um, in her bid for reelection. And I, I think I, I understand the criticisms. I mean, I, I think like you said earlier, we put ourselves uh, out there. Right. And it is absolutely fair to say, you know, I don't like the way this person does this or I don't like the way this person does this. And for me, you know, Kathy has been um, a huge supporter of mine, a huge support for me. Um, and, and I, she does vote the values of her neighbors and that matters a lot to me. It matters a lot. And, um, and she's, she has Santa Barbara heart, you know, lover, hater, that woman has got the Santa Barbara charm, you know, I mean, you see her when she's out knocking on doors, she will make friends with Every single neighbor, whether you're on the Riviera, whether you're on the East side, I mean, she knows how to connect with people. Um, You know, the pandemic's been hard. Virtual, the virtual world has been tough. I don't think it does any of us any favors. It's super difficult to connect over Zoom. I find it really hard. You know, you can't really read people in the same way. You can't, so we're adjusting. And I think that has been an adjustment. And I think we'll all, myself included, look back on our performance over the last year and say, hey, you know, if we had had time to really study how to do this well, if we knew what was coming, maybe we would do some things differently. I'm sure Kathy would say that too. Um, but she has a heart for this city and that's what matters the most to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and she loves it. She loves, and I, I, I wanna be surrounded by people who love Santa Barbara as much as I do and who wanna make it a better place for everyone who lives here. And, and that is, I think at her core who Kathy is.
0: Yeah. I'm not going to go through each member of the council and ask you what you think of them, but, um, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about one, um, councilwoman Kristen Sneddon. Um, there's, there's obviously been lots of behind the scenes insider stuff about those two don't get along as well as, you know, Kathy and Megan do. Um, is there any truth to any of that? Is that in the past, uh, I don't know why you would not get along because from an outsider's perspective, you're both great. I mean, Kristen's dead. I would say many of the same things about her that I said about you, um, you know, just really valuable to that council, really Absolutely. important. Yeah. Um, but there's some perception that there's some rivalry there. Can, can you just clear the air? Well, and talk about everybody
1: that? loves the cat fight. Okay. <laughs> Everyone okay. loves it. So I think there's like some energy in that story. Cause it's yeah. kind of fun. Um, yeah. And look, I, I believe strongly in the value that Kristen brings to Santa Barbara City Council. Uh, You know, are are we the best of friends? You know, I don't, we haven't seen each other in almost a year because we've been virtual. So that part's hard. You know, I feel that way about all of my colleagues. I don't, we don't have the same, you know, run into them in the hallway, say, "Oh, how are you doing this week?" I miss that. I really miss that, and and you lose something when you don't have that personal interaction. It becomes um, much more sort of distant, and uh, we're just everything we do is mediated through technology, and I I miss that connection with all my colleagues, um, but with Kristen, I. Deep, I have a deep respect for her. I, you know, we don't always agree on policy issues. I think you can just watch the council and when we don't agree, we don't agree passionately. Um, but I need her perspective. I need to hear that. And she brings something, um, particularly in areas of sustainability and environmentalism and expertise that I don't have, I rely on her. Um, and I, I, like, I would like to think, and I, I believe she'd say the same thing about me. Um, we're up there with the same goal and that's just serve our neighbors to make their lives better. We're not going to agree a hundred percent of the time. There's not going to be anyone that I'm going to agree with a hundred percent of the time. And I would expect nothing less from her than to be up there fighting it out when we disagree. I love that about her. I think like, that's for me, one of my favorite meetings are when we're up there going, well, what about this? What about this? You know, I, not everyone loves that I find uh, a lot of energy in that debate. That's how I think our neighbors can be assured they're getting to a good result, because we're up there really trying to think through ideas. And that's how I see it. And I, I think that's how she sees it, too. Um, I she makes me better. A hundred percent.
0: Good. And uh, let, let's go through just a few issues before we wrap up. Uh, I think, you know, we have a lot of fun time, a lot of stuff. But let's talk about like downtown, you're the downtown Santa Barbara City Councilwoman. That is your district. State Street has been like the story of the city in many ways Uh, for the past year during the pandemic. We've dealt with the declining um, retail, vacant storefronts even before the pandemic. Pandemic happens and now we've got blocks that seem to be kind of successful, the 500 block with the restaurants and the outdoor dining. And uh, we got some blocks upper that don't have as many restaurants that haven't been as successful. Um, you're for better or worse. I mean, you're the downtown council member and people are going to look back at this time and they're going to be like, you know, Megan Harmon, it was her district. So can you talk about the state of state street? Are you happy with where we're at and what are your goals for how to improve it?
1: Yeah. Well, I love this moment. I mean, I, I guess I should start by saying, uh, downtown is my number one priority. All this other stuff, you know, I love it. I'm super pumped about it. I think it's going to be really good for our city. But the most important thing to me, and I think the most important thing we can do as a city right now is to harness the power of this transformational moment for our downtown. I mean, I, I, that's sounds so big. I know that sounds kind of like Mm -hmm. very woo woo, but it's, I really feel that way about downtown. You can't help, but walk down. There. And, you know, there are issues, right? It doesn't look very Santa Barbara. There's still circulation challenges. We've got to figure out, you know, what to do about public space versus private. I mean, there are a lot of big questions to be answered, but I feel, I, I mean, and I, I talked to folks, they've never felt the energy that sort of kinetic potential that exists in our downtown, the way it exists in this moment. So I, I love it. I mean, it's like, there is nothing, I think, more transformative that I will do on the Santa Barbara City Council than to be part of moving this conversation about the future of State Street forward. So that is my my number one priority and will always be. Um, so, what do I want to see? I mean, you know, it's it's not my vision alone yeah. that that needs to be realized. We need to have a community vision. That's that's what I want to see: the building of a community vision and the execution of that vision to support our local business, to support the engine of our local economy and to bring life to our downtown. I mean, love it or hate it, there's life downtown now. Um, And we got to fix it. Again, I'm not saying, believe me, I know, I hear from folks, they don't, there are a couple of parklets they're not fans of. And I, I hear that, you know, but there's energy there. And I think, you know, we can give each other some grace and, and move forward, uh, harnessing that energy. And I think we're all on the, I mean, speaking of, of Kristen, you know, I know she and I share that passion for this issue and um are both super excited about this State Street subcommittee that's gonna be forming. It's gonna be a diverse, wide uh, sort of cross-section of the community. And, and this can be a generational transformation. That's how I'm seeing it. And I'm I'm gonna shoot for the moon on this. Like I'm not going small. Yeah. Um because I don't know that we'll have a chance like this. Certainly not in the five years that I have left on council, knock on wood, if I'm lucky enough to be elected.
0: Yeah. And what about housing and the height of housing? Uh, Do you you know, 60 feet? I mean, do we should we have some tall buildings on State Street? Um, Obviously, this is a touchy issue, because there's a whole community of environmental preservationists who've worked very hard to preserve Santa Barbara's height limits and uh, to them it's it is the most important thing that they care about and so when they hear the council talking about housing downtown um, and and increasing height limits they fight for this it's worth fighting for Um, what is how high should Santa Barbara go for to accommodate um, housing downtown
1: I don't know is the honest answer. I'm. Um, I am not uh, really passionate about 45 feet. Is it? You know. I'm. I. I and I. I have acknowledged that publicly from the diet. You know. I. I. Th- I think if if we want to achieve housing downtown, there's going to have to be some flexibility somewhere. Now, I. I don't at all mean to imply that I want to see a skyscraper in our downtown. I, there is, you know, I I used to live in New York. I chose to live in Santa Barbara because I love the character of this community. I chose to live here. You know, it's funny that a lot of people sort of give me grief about that. I'm so new here, and I'm like, well, look, you know what's cool? What should give you some hope about how much I love this community is that of all the places I've lived, I chose I chose Santa Barbara. I wasn't lucky enough to be born here. I wasn't lucky enough to move here in high school. I chose this place because I love it. Um, and this is my home and I don't want to see it change either. I want to see us evolve because we have, cities have to evolve. You know, you evolve or evolve or die, I guess they say, you know, we've got to move into the future. We've got to, you know, work on putting together a city that's more just, that's more equitable, that, that houses the people that are already here. Um, but no, I don't, I don't want to see skyscrapers and, and to your specific question, I don't know, you know, what does 60 feet look like downtown versus 45? I can't, I can't say that I really sort of have that in my head to where I can give you a clear answer, but, but do I, am I inclined toward more flexibility? Um, certainly.
0: Yeah. Okay. And, you know, and you mentioned, um, more social and sort of just and place for everybody to live. I want to talk to you a little bit about, um, equity and diversity and, mm-hmm. You know, we had the Black Lives Matter moment um, last, last year, and hopefully it's not just a moment, you know, it's going to continue to be influential or it's just uh, rooted in our society. And, um, you know, it's not just a high point, it's consistent in everything we do. Uh, and, but, you know, Kathy Mario, you know, she got some pushback there, but it led to the Community Formation Commission. And there's a lot of progress there. We have that changes at the police department. And so we've seen some of those things. Um, so, you know, that's all great. And we're going in that direction. But I want to sort of ask you, you know, you're, you're young, you're, you're a woman, and you're uh, millennial, you know, and you're closer to this generation that is growing up with, uh, you know, less biases, you know, less um, uh, you know, feelings of intolerance that, you know, the older generation, it was a different time. So can you talk a little bit about sort of your, your value set when it comes to, to equity and diversity? Um, one of the stories that like I, I wanna write, you know, is, yeah, we've got like district elections and we have diversity on the council and we need more diversity on the council. We look at the boards and the commissions. <laughs> ABR, HLC Planning Commission. Not much diversity there and I have no problem with white older men being involved. Like I Neither do they. Awesome, <laughs> awesome okay? But um you know we need we need lots of different types of people. Uh, how do you approach this and how do you make it a part of your fabric and not just responsive to it when somebody calls in in public comment and forces you to be accountable to it can you talk about how you approach this issue
1: I really appreciate that question um there's a couple of things that are specific to council that I've tried to do and that I've tried to do from the beginning and I also want to acknowledge part of this and maybe this is sort of generational is that I make mistakes and I you know I I am so grateful to the people who have called me out and said hey this wasn't this wasn't cool. You know, the way that you framed this was harmful to me. And I think, you know, my job, especially as a white woman is to, to really hear that and take that on and do better. Um, and so to not be afraid of those moments, um, and to try to do that work, I think is central to me actually centering equity in a meaningful way. You know, I think it's one thing to be like, I believe in equity and it's another to be afraid to confront your own prejudices or your own um, mistakes. And I make them. And I, I I, need to constantly be assessing my own thoughts, my own actions to make sure that they align with my values. And I think, you know, as a person with privilege, that's one of the most important things that I can do. Um, and, and try to do that both obviously in my personal life and especially here on council. Um, but for me, you know, one of the things that I'd like to see move forward this year, and I do with every agenda report that I read, you know, at the end of the agenda reports, it says uh, environmental impact, fiscal impact. And I would really like to add a section to every agenda report that says uh, social equity analysis or equity impact. Um, Not so much because that will give us the answer, right? You don't get the answer from reading a report. Is this just, is this equitable? But as a reminder, that the decisions that we make, every single one of them implicate justice for our neighbors. Like, you know, you cannot take a specific vote on a housing development or more housing and separate it from equity. You know, you cannot separate a vote on, you know, moving forward environmental protection from justice and equity from our neighbors. And so uh, to me, one of my goals, and I've tried to do it, I'll continue to focus on it, and I would like to see it formally become part of our agenda reports, is to remind ourselves every single decision we make needs to center our commitment to equity for our neighbors, Um, and to not just silo ourselves, like you said, you know, if it's, oh, we're looking at the Community Formation Commission, so we're going to center equity here, but then we're going to take a vote on, you know, something rant, something else, you know, but we're going to make appointments
0: to the boards and commissions that don't reflect equity. That commitment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's something I'm looking to do this year. And, you know, again, it's, is it going to solve the world's problems? No, but I think there are ways that we can um, structure city government so that that equity becomes a key sort of component of the conversation rather than an afterthought. Um, and it's, it's little things like that, that, that add up. And I, I appreciate the point about the boards and commissions as well. That's another of my goals this year is to be very active in recruitment. And, um, you know, I'm, I post a lot on social media. And one of the things that I want to do is really push opportunity and why we should be interested and what, you know, these boards can do and, and how they sort of relate to the decisions that get made about the city. And, you know, they're super powerful, actually, hugely powerful. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's it is a failure of those of us in sort of politically prominent positions, like city council positions, that we don't go out and recruit folks. Yeah. You know, that we don't go out and say, "Hey, here's a chance to make a difference in this way. You can actually represent your neighbors in a really tangible way." And so I, I think there's a move on our council to really do that. And um, I know a lot of us are feeling that way, and a lot of us are really focused on that. So,
0: yeah, it's really valuable too. Um traditionally and i guess traditionally you know we to some some ways break away from traditionally but um i don't think there's anything wrong with you know if you serve on the commission one of these commissions like eric friedman or something you know harbor commission and then you get elected it's just more knowledge you have you know heck yeah vote, you know so
1: absolutely if the, i had been on a commission i would have served me so much better honestly <laughs> <laughs> at least i would have yeah. understood like what i was getting into you know
0: now. Well, I want to thank you for the, the really cool conversation. And I really appreciate your uh, ability to uh, be vulnerable and talk about issues that, um, you know, you feel uh, may not, um, you know, that are personal, but have a, an impact on the public. And I, I appreciate you doing that. And of course, I always love talking to you because you're uh, just fun to talk to and you're you just, you have so much to say and you're so prepared and uh, I'm trying to, uh, uh, you know, just you're brilliant, and I really appreciate the opportunity to have a conversation with you.
1: Thank so. you, and thank you for giving me space for particularly talking about, you know, my my family, and I. Um, I just I really value that, and it it means a lot to me for you to to make space for that. So, thank you.
0: and and next year you're gonna pass hazard Bay for journalists, right? That's the next one. Just kidding.
1: As soon as your lobbyist calls me. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Just that kidding. A joke. See, we can have fun here.
0: Right? <laughs> I love it. Thanks, Josh. I appreciate it. Take care.